Hello, and welcome to another edition of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than the inimitable John Tesh. How are you, John? You know, I, I am imitable. I've seen it on uh, Saturday Night Live. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I'm definitely imitatable. Plus, I do, a, I do a pretty good impression of you. I do your Ed McMahon laugh. Anyway, uh, today on our show, our guest is Dr. Anthony Gustin. He is the founder of Perfect Keto. He is a big ketogenic guru. Um, if you are interested at all in the ketogenic diet or you've heard about this, it's become a very trendy diet. When we started doing it, it was not very trendy, but now it is a very trendy diet. And he's going to tell us what some of the biggest mistakes that as this becomes a fad, what some of the biggest mistakes people are making with the ketogenic diet uh, and, and how to avoid that. But first, uh, let's talk about some stuff going on with you. How's the book coming along? Good. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I just finished the, the Red Rocks chapter. I, I think I did anyway. Uh, I sent you a bunch of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just trying to figure out it, 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 when the thing when Paramount Television sued me. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, they spoiler sued me. alert, it, yeah, they sued me, and then uh, then we got past that, and then all of a sudden I started. I called my attorney, Chuck, our buddy, Chuck Kenworthy, and he's like, well, no, there was a little more details to this. It was like, oh my gosh, I almost like I almost had to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, but you know, one of the things we talk about in the book, right, is is my uh, cancer journey, and we, and a big part of that is what you're getting ready to talk about, mm-hmm. which is uh, the my ketogenic diet is is regarded as an anti cancer diet, yep. and don't you find it interesting as, you know, Gib and I, uh, for the last two or three years, we've done bits on stage talking about how you, you crave carbs. And he, yep. wrote, he wrote a carb song, which we should actually, we should actually do one of these days because you, I mean, you, you can do it. I, I don't know. <laughs> but it's, uh, we've talked about, about the keto diet. And you, and you look out into an audience of a couple of thousand people and you, you, know, and they, you get a couple of nods. But when we were just doing Florida, uh, you, you know, back in uh, November – Right, a lot of people know what you're talking about more now. It really, more it really grew more. quickly. It did grow quickly, and it's and because it's growing so quickly, there is a lot of misinformation and a lot of bad practice going on out there. A lot of people who think that they're keto who are not, and 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 Dr. Gustin's going to help uh, sort of sort some of that stuff out. Before we get to the interview, though, uh, I do want to talk about one thing, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. These guys are not a sponsor, but it's something that you and I have been using lately, and I really want to talk about them. Brain FM. We've talked about it on the show in terms yeah. of being focused. Yeah. What it is is it's a scientifically generated set of sounds, mostly like these upbeat musical oh, yes, tunes. Yes, yes, yes. And it focuses your brain. It'll also help you relax. But I put headphones on and I put this. It's like ADD medication, uh, but with but just uh, but just sounds. So again, not a sponsor. Not getting any money for it. Not getting any referral fee. But it is one super cool thing that we that John and I both have been into for the last week. And we wanted to share it with you guys and make sure it looks like you're about to set it up. So yeah, no, I'm just looking through there because what I've been using mostly is um, is the Focus yes. uh, banner. And this was Focus, Meditate, Sleep, Recharge, and and Relax. And I thought, you know, okay, another one of these things. You yes. know? But but I just, in fact, I because I'm, I'm always afraid that uh, somebody's going to come in the house and say, hey, what are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. So I, I keep one ear in. Right. Um, but I was just this morning I was, you know, I was writing the radio show and, and I, and I, and I had it in there and it's, just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not really. Yeah. It's not invasive and that's it. It just plays in the background while you, while you're working. And it honestly, it, you, if you guys have ever heard of the concept of flow of getting into a state of flow, that app actually puts you into flow and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. So 
Uh, again, that's that's like my cool thing for this week. It's just a gift to you guys to go ahead and check that out. Yeah, and they're, and they're not a sponsor. Maybe, maybe there will be a sponsor, but uh, but it's really, yeah, it's it's neat. And, and I've tr- Gib has always you know, given me stuff to try, and, and, but I got hooked on this. Yep. It's it's really me great too. because it's not it's not music. It's not, you know, yeah. like some of those things, yeah. you know, um, it's, and it's really cool. So I'm really looking forward to this interview uh, because I think that, you know, the thing about the ketogenic diet is – that you can really hurt yourself if mm-hmm. you're not careful because mm-hmm. it is based on on fat yep. on, on burning fat instead of instead of carbohydrates. Um, I mean, I you know when people ask me about it, I said I, I just say, hey, start with fasting once a week and see how you do you know yeah. with that just to see if you can yeah. do that. All right, so here it is. Without further ado, Doctor Anthony Gustin. Doctor Gustin, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. So you started Perfect Keto, which is a I would I would arguably say the strongest brand. In the in the ketogenic supplement world, right? That is, yeah, that's great. I mean, I hope so. <laughs> it's it's the one that you see the most often. So, first of all, how did you get it started, and what led you to create your own ketogenic brand? Yeah, so I am trained as a functional medicine clinician. So, background is a doctorate in chiropractic, and we got out of school about six years ago and did a lot of sports medicine stuff. So, worked with a lot of pro athletes and uh, built my clinic up from one to six locations within a few years. And, I mean, not to sound not to toot my uh, own horn, but yeah. beep beep. Yeah, um, sports injuries are kind of easy to solve. And so, what happens is somebody has some sort of musculoskeletal issue. And it's basically a really fixed algorithm. There's some individuality with it, but it's pretty straightforward to get people better. So very quickly after that, I designed a lot of systems to train other clinicians on how to do that, hired a, hired a lot of a really awesome team, and then went to more of a functional medicine route. So much more complicated. So helping people with gut issues, metabolism issues, diabetes management, things like that. And so that's kind of looking at where the root cause is in health. Instead of just giving somebody a prescription or sending them out for surgery, you kind of dig in and look at what is really the problem that is causing these symptoms? And so with that, in both with treating sports injuries, I realized that, yes, nutrition is for sure the number one thing that people need to focus on and did some math. Um, I do a lot of reflection every quarter, every month, and realized that going the way I was going, I was only going to help roughly like 15,000 people in my career, which to me, I felt like you know we had amassed so much knowledge learning through the clinic that that would be a little sad. And so looking right. at, and thinking about ways that... I could help scale that so more people could have access to the tools I was using with the patients I had that have were of dramatic success. And so maybe three, four years ago, I had been using the ketogenic diet a lot as a tool to help treat a lot of people's conditions, whether that's you know weight loss, diabetes management, gut problems, et cetera. And it's a really effective tool just because I think that where a lot of the society is currently, we've really bombarded our bodies and ourselves with unreasonable amount of carbohydrates, processed foods, mm-hmm. um, refined vegetable oils that have led us to a state of you know, mitochondrial dysfunction, these, these powerhouse things in your cells, and our metabolisms in our bodies are just can't really handle carbohydrates all that well anymore. So it's just a really good tool to help for a lot of different reasons. But at the time, three, four years ago, this is something that was extremely confusing to people. There was contradictory things online about you know how people do it. Um, there's a lot of nuance to it. And the compliance, because there weren't a lot of products, basically none at the time, that people had nowhere to go unless they wanted to cook every single meal at home. And so this kind of intersection between people having the right knowledge and how to exactly do it, as well as the tools and things that they can do to stick to with it. And so the products in the food products and everything that helps it become more 
um, not only attainable, but maintainable throughout the course of however they want to use it as a tool. And this is kind of where I thought, okay, this is where we can have a really big impact on people. So they launched Perfect Keto two years ago, almost to the day. And since then have you know, been off the races. I mean, I think that we've, you know, continuously rolled everything back into the company. Um, I've not taken a penny out of the company. I actually have, I've lost a lot of money from the startup costs, but um, to date, it's just something that like we continue to keep rolling and rolling and rolling because we always ask people, you know, what, what is making this hard for you? Why right. is this something that you're struggling with and what are the problems that we can solve? And then we try to solve that through either education and information, which I think should always be free. And so that's kind of like a, a main point of ours. So we invest like half of our team is just invested into creating free knowledge for people. Um, and then the other half is I think about the manufacturing R and D and distribution of our products. And so that, you know, it's, it's a never ending solution and, and problem solution game. And I think that, you know, it's been awesome and fun and hopefully making it easier for people day, day after day. So you, you, you talk about this, this idea of one of trying to influence more people and two creating products that solve a problem. What was the number one problem that you saw with people who were trying to reduce inflammation? And just as a shorthand, I, 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 I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. Glucose in your body at, at the high levels that we eat it in our processed food system now equals inflammation in our body. And the ketogenic diet is a nice way of reducing that because, again, it decreases inflammation in your brain, in your joints, in your body, everywhere uh, without the sugar. So you, you, that motivated you to get keto. And then uh, what were the big problems with keto that motivated you to create the first products that you created? I think that a lot of times people have problems with nutrition because the feed because of a feedback loop. The feedback loop is too long to realize any problems of how nutrition is affecting you. And so what I mean by that is, for instance, if if I eat bread or wheat specifically or most grains, I get acne, but not oh. for three to four days after I eat it. And so like like clockwork, I can eat it. But until it goes, you know, breaks through my gut lining and affects my cells and goes to my skin and the skin then has cystic acne, like that takes four days. Right. If I were to be eating a bagel or a croissant and I was immediately having acne pop in my face, I would never eat it. Right. And, and so really the only type of feedback me mechanism we have that's immediate is taste. And so people generally eat stuff, it tastes good, so they want to eat more of it. Right. That's pretty much all we have. I think that when we, we launch our first product, and this is intentional for a lot of different reasons. I think that uh, our exogenous ketones, which are just ketones in a form that you can take supplementally, that way your body starts absorbing them and running on them as an alternative to glucose. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like it. There's there's not a stimulant in it, so it's not stimulant based like caffeine, for instance, with coffee. But you get this rush of energy, and you have clarity of of thought and focus, and it's appetite suppressing. And so all of these things immediately hit you, and your body goes, "Oh, this is what ketosis is." this is good for me. I'm going to start doing this again. And so that was one of the number one things is like trying to shorten that feedback loop of this is like this nutritional choice is good for me to create momentum so people can start ratcheting off uh, better and better decisions as they go along. Um, so that I think from a product standpoint was another one. And then number two, like a very close second is just the confusion of how to do it and why. And you know, you, you mentioned one of the benefits, just reduction of inflammation. Sure. There's Lots of other uh, benefits, but well, what, at the what, time, what I love hearing people say with the keto diet is you come for the weight loss, you stay for the mental clarity. 
Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I, I don't have any weight to lose and that's why I do it, for example. Um, and so the confusion that we had at this point, you know, three years ago, especially is that, you know, you, you have somebody write a blog on the internet and then somebody else reads that one and writes their own version of it. And then that gets made a copy of a copy of a copy 5,000 times. And somebody tries to look something up and then you have all this con- uh, contradictory information that doesn't make any sense. And then you have to go somewhere else to read kind of the next step. And there wasn't kind of a flow of, I want to start what are all the things I need to do from start to finish to mm-hmm. be successful here. And so solving that problem as well, I mean, we're still working on that. It's everyone has a different path and a different way they receive information. And so that obviously is challenging as well. But the, the conflicting information I think is a, is a really tough one to solve. And so becoming a trusted source and really investing into that, like you said, um, I think a lot of people, when they hear ketogenic diet or keto, they think of perfect keto because we've invested so much into that end. And I mean, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of articles and, and guides and, and all this free information that hopefully at this point, people, when they have questions, they can just go to our website and, and have the answer that they're looking for. That's, and what, what website just, we'll, we'll get it again at the end, but what website should people go to to get that information? Yeah, that's just perfectketo.com. All right, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, you make, you make exogenous ketones in the form of, uh, okay, this is going to sound weird, but just, it's called beta hydroxybutyrate and it always bonds to an alkali earth metal or a salt. So your product has a, a lot of, uh, is it magnesium and sodium? Are those the two? Yeah. And, and calcium and calcium. How, um, you know, why not potassium a, and B, why uh, why is that much of those of those metals okay? So the no potassium because we've tested that time and time again, and it causes a lot of gut distress. And so when people have higher amounts of potassium, I mean even low amounts in this blend, that they have a lot of disaster pants. So they're running to the bathroom when you take an exogenous ketone for the first time, and people can notice this with MCT oil as well. Oh yeah. You it's are, part of the um, keto flu, by the way, totally. is you will have some flu-like symptoms in the bathroom. Yeah, and, and there's a there's a lot of proposed mechanisms to this. Um, one of them is that your gut microbiome is not fully adapted to be handling that much fat at once. And then another one is that your body just isn't used to using these things as fuel yet. And so it doesn't right. think that it needs as much. So it goes, right. like, okay, don't need this stuff. Let's flush it out. Right. Uh, totally normal. And so, but the potassium-bound beta-hydroxybutyrate increase that symptom more than we would like. And so that's why we didn't go with that. Um, and then as far as a, I, I don't like to think of them as salts. I, w- I wish they were called electrolytes because then people would be okay with having that much. Right. Um, I mean, that, that's essentially what it is. And so actually when your insulin drops, so when you start restricting, carb- restricting carbohydrates, your insulin drops and your body actually dumps a lot of electrolytes mm-hmm. and a lot of sodium. And these are things that a lot of times people they don't realize like how little they're getting and how much they actually need of certain electrolytes. And so this can be a huge problem with, like you said, the keto flu is a lot of symptoms when people first transition to a ketogenic diet because they're dumping on these electrolytes. And I think that, I mean, people there, you know, there's hundreds of milligrams of each of these in our product. And then, and I think that a lot of people need to get grams worth. And so thousands of milligrams worth of some of these things, I mean, before I'm, I'm very keto adapted now, even before I work out, I take anywhere between two to three grams of sodium. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, that if I, I think there's a giant myth that sodium slash salt, I mean, these are again, kind of different things, but salt in general and sodium is bad for your high blood pressure, et cetera. Like this is just found not to be true whatsoever. And so I think that people should just separate their thought that sodium equals 
heart disease, which is a really long stretch to make. Um, and instead of looking at it as this is an electrolyte that my body needs to function properly so that the cells can communicate and carry on vital functions, um, which is obviously great to have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that calling them electrolytes would be better than salt. And, and I would also point out that when you cut out all the processed foods you have to cut out to be ketogenic, the amount of sodium that you're getting anyway drops down significantly. You know, I, right. I, if you're if you're not eating processed food, stuff that comes in a in a bar form, you're probably not getting as much sodium as you used to be getting anyway. Um, but let me ask you this: since you talked about high blood pressure, I get pushback from a lot of friends who are not keto, who are very much in the everything in moderation camp. The amount of fat that has to be eaten to be fat adapted, you know, the 80% of your diet is fat, a lot of people look at it as, oh my gosh, that's just going to clog your arteries. Why does that, why is that not the case? Why is this okay to do to yourself? So, the, I mean, this is a very kind, uh, kind of a complicated uh, mechanism in the body, but artery and plaques in the arteries and endothelial dysfunction and atherosclerosis do not it's not like you eat fat and fat just sticks in your blood. Mm -hmm. So that is just something that, again, we've gotten wrong for a variety of reasons. I mean, I would recommend The Big Fat Surprise by Nina Teicholz is like the go-to text if anybody wants to learn more about this stuff. You should have her on the show. She's amazing. Uh, but, I mean, this is – we had one scientist essentially try to force this idea of cholesterol equals bad, which led to saturated fat equals bad, which leads to all these things cause heart disease in the 50s and 60s. And that stuff has been pushed through – and then we went high sugar, low fat, high carb, low fat. It's clearly not working. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, more so what happens is what what cholesterol does is essentially it's a repair molecule. And so think about this. Like if you have inflammation, your body's going to need to repair itself. And so you have inflammation that damages the arteries and the cell walls. Then you need cholesterol to kind of patch that up. And so you need to ask yourself what is causing the inflammation, not fat equals cholesterol equals mm -hmm. heart disease is bad. This, I mean, this is just a, a very simple mechanism in the body that anyone with a, a simple biology or physiology textbook can look at. And it's very clear that generally processed food, inflammatory vegetable oils, which can you can eat on a ketogenic diet, which is why I always promote a healthy whole food ketogenic diet and not a you know, bacon dipped in cream cheese covered in canola oil diet, which a lot mm. of people do do, which we can get to later. But I mean, those things cause in, in the processed food in sugar, all those things can contribute to inflammation, not moving, being stressed out, not sleeping, all of those things can, right. can promote that. So it's not just nutrition, but a lot of times it's from all the crap that people eat. I think that's the biggest contributor to it, to that. So when you have high inflammation, you have cholesterol come in. And so this is kind of like if you had in an area of a city, a lot of criminals and there were a lot of cops there, you would say, oh, well, there's a lot of cops. Let's get those cops out of there. Let's stop training police officers. That's like saying, let's stop eating fat mm -hmm. because that is a repair molecule for a lot of things. I mean, f fat is extremely vital. And when you take it out of your body, I mean, people just generally fall apart. Right. All your nerves and nerve sheaths are made of fat. Your brain is mostly made of fat. All of your cell linings are made of fat. So if you eat bad fats or the wrong types of fats or not enough, Think about your like every single cell in your body has it's basically shaped like a beach ball, and that's how you want it. And in that in that outer layer of that beach ball, you want the receptors in that cell to be able to communicate to other cells so they can do their jobs. And when you eat bad fats or not enough fat, that thing crumples up like a piece of paper, and all those receptors are then buried or not working. Not ideal. Yeah. Right.
So let's get practical. What are the what are the fats like? What are the good fats? And if you are fat adapted, are there still quote unquote bad fats? Because I I read an article recently from a nutritionist who said that uh, that 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 coconut oil is terrible for you. Yeah, I mean that's the same exact premise that we were just talking about. That people think that saturated fat is bad for for everybody, and that's just absolutely not the case. I think that. I mean, there are some people who have certain genetic polymorphisms. So if you have genes, for instance, like PPAR uh, alpha and PPAR gamma, that, I mean, you can get a 23andMe test, then port it into, for instance, like Dr. Rhonda Patrick or Prometheus that have other things that can analyze your genes. If you have those things, saturated fat may not be as good for you, but it's not like it's going to kill you. And so the assumption that saturated fat is bad for you and will kill you is again, I mean, Nina Teichholz's book breaks this down fabulously. It's just not true. And so when you simplify things and these irresponsible journalists and nutritionists who make this stance and that they don't understand science and biology and say saturated fat is bad for you, therefore coconut oil has saturated fat is going to kill you. Right. It's atrocious. I mean, uh, I, I, I could rant about that for hours, but <laughs> regardless, I think that there's some fundamental things here that we're, you know, even if we take saturated fat out of the equation, um, and this is again why people think that red meat is bad for you because it has saturated fat. Right. Not true. Um, but if we take that out of the equation, we think about industrial seed oils and vegetable oils. Mm-hmm. So things like soybean oil, peanut oil, canola oil, these things are so heavily processed and so high in damaging fats that go rancid and basically wreak havoc and cause inflammation in your body. Like we need to eliminate those. And that's essentially what all processed food is made with it's that's rancid what, rancid yeah. seed oils exactly and that's what nearly every single restaurant cooks your food in that's what everything that's why fried food is bad for you it's not because that the fat or, or anything is bad for you it's because you have highly oxidized very rancid inflammatory oils and something with a, like usually coated in some sort of floury breading with sugar in it then is fried <laughs> in that stuff like th- like that if you just took for instance, chicken or whatever you want to do and fry it in like a palm oil or an avocado oil, there's actually nothing wrong with that from a health standpoint. It's all the damaging, like non-real food items. Right. When you think about a soybean, like in a tablespoon of, of soybean oil, you need to press 4,000 soybeans to get that. Wow. Do you think any, you think any human had ever done that, like had ever gotten that much fat from a soybean before some really industrious caveman right yeah uh 3998 these are are just not real foods and so if you just look at in like common sense of is this food fatty or not is a soybean fatty can you squeeze it and get fat out absolutely not but an avocado you can yeah avocado you certainly can olives absolutely um, you know, you get palm, like palm doesn't come from palm trees. It comes from palm fruit, which is inherently very fatty. You can squeeze it and the fat can rush out. Um, what about what, but, the impact on the environment of palm oil? I mean, so, is there a way to find good palm oil like that? Yeah. There's, so if, if anything says like, you know, there's a bunch of different certifications and if, if, if palm goes through a certification where it's approved, it's actually can be more sustainable than any other oil. Um, oh, so wow. for instance, one of my friends um, who owns a restaurant in San Francisco called Catava that does all this type of research and is always going around to find the, the best source of everything um, has gone to farms in Ecuador where they press out the palm, the palm fruit, and then they use the extra pressed out palm fruit. Instead of throwing it away, they throw it into steam engines which power their entire plant so they're 100% sustainable. Wow. 
And, and there's no yeah. orangutans in Ecuador, so exactly. you're fine. And, and, and even in some parts of Malaysia and Thailand and Southeast Asia, they have they have sustainable operations. Like if it's bad, it's terrible. But if it's good, it can actually be very good for the environment and the mm-hmm. farmers. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, there is a split there that some people are concerned about it. But that does not make palm oil, oil inherently unhealthy for a human. Yes, of course, we do, do not want to be tearing down the rainforest and killing orangutans and having terrible conditions for farmers, which spray their crops with really weird chemicals. Of course, we don't want that. But like the actual palm fruit, if you just put all that aside, is not unhealthy. It's actually really healthy for Got you. Got it. Um, so yeah, again, coconut, very fatty. Um, a canola. What is a canola? I don't. I don't know what a canola is. I don't do you? Know. I thought it was yeah. a corn oil. No, it's a. So canola is a is actually a, it's called a rape seed. So it's a it's a little seed, just a cotton seed, cotton oh. seed oil. How much can you get oil out of a cotton seed? I don't. But, I don't know. Yeah, all these things are just leftovers from the food production system right. that. The, that we go, okay, well, what are we going to do with this now? And so um, let's make some crazy machine that presses all this out, then all these solvents and chemicals that are needed to filter it, and then put it through all these steps, which make it just absolutely terrible for you and not a real fat that a human can, should consume. And then we're, I mean, so we did a team retreat in Thailand a couple months ago. So we brought the whole Perfect Keto team there. We went to the sustainable farm that does an amazing job at, you know, doing all local stuff. And they were showing that in most foods, for instance, in Thailand, and this is not just in Thailand, this is all over the world that, you know, if you get a a curry that you eat plus a couple of dishes like, you know, stir fry or whatever, you're having essentially like one cup of oil. So they use coconut oil there, which is amazing. But if you have vegetable oil at a meal and you go to a restaurant, you can have up to one cup of oil in, in one meal which is yeah. incredibly high amount. Yeah. And so this is why like ketogenic diet and ketosis, while I think it's an amazing tool for people, I do not think that is by default healthy for people without looking at other factors. And so without looking at food choice and food quality, it doesn't mean it's is inherently healthy. If your body's running on ketones, you can still be incredibly unhealthy. And so that I think that needs to be clear to a lot of people. And I think like, Keto, they think, okay, if I'm if I'm just restricting carbohydrates, I'm healthy. I don't right. think that's the case. Right. I mean, and, and so, go ahead. Yeah, that's just another part of the education component that it's, it can be really confusing. And so, yeah, I know this is something that I'm very passionate about. But yeah, I mean, just more so looking at fun foundationals of nutrition. You know, eating mm-hmm. real foods, eating things that you can actually say, like, oh, I can see how they got oil from that, or this thing spoils. You know, it, 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 this doesn't last on my counter for eight years right. and then I can cook it again. Right. So that, that actually brings up an interesting question that I've experienced a lot in talking to people who are ketogenic. What do you see in, in now that you are influencing beyond 15,000 people that you would have with just your clinics? Uh, what do you see as the number one mistake people are making when they decide to go keto? This one has kind of quotes around go keto, you know. Yeah, so this one's kind of changed. I think when it first came out, I think that it was the food quality one. But now I actually think that it's people have gotten more savvy about that, and there's better options now. Um, Now I think that's people under eat protein and over eat fat. Actually, oh really? Yeah. So how? uh, Because I've 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 my experience has been the opposite. People are really just doing a modified Atkins and not doing fully keto. What, What what are you seeing there? 
Well, the confusion here is the difference between Atkins and keto. So Atkins, I think, is just a low quality form of just limiting carbohydrates right. and not any, yeah, not any focus on that. Uh, if you look at the biochemical pathway, people freak out about something called gluconeogenesis, which yep. means to make new glucose, which mm-hmm. means if you eat something, your body can turn that thing into carbohydrate. Okay, So people think that if you eat protein, it just instantly turns into sugar in your bloodstream, which is fundamentally not true. And right. so this is something where like they've done studies and it's like, okay, for X amount of, the, you know, controlled amount of eating the same grams of fat versus the same grams of protein is mm-hmm. almost exactly the same to create new glucose. So when you burn fat, when you eat fat, so fat, the molecule actually is, it's called a triglyceride. People might know that from their blood work. Right. It means three fatty acids on a glycerol backbone. So mm-hmm. glycerol might sound familiar. is something that goes well, into gluconeogenesis to create mm-hmm. a sugar. So every time you use fat or, or eat fat, in that form, you're actually creating carbohydrates. Again, that your body needs blood glucose. So it's not like your blood glucose doesn't go to zero when you stop eating carbohydrates. Right. So you'll have a baseline, you know, anywhere from if you're super well regulated, anywhere from like 65 to 85 is somewhat normal. So it's like a, a packet of sugar in your blood, essentially, which is totally normal to have. Okay. And you need that for a lot of functions. Eating protein or eating fat, like the, the protein does not spike that aggressively. It doesn't spike insulin aggressively. And we've seen this a lot now with people who started to do carnivore type of diet where they're eating upwards of 150 to 200 grams of protein. I've tried this for, you know, five and a half weeks and my ketone levels are the exact same. Um, what happens when people under eat protein, a lot of bad things. And so the, there's a lot of support system that you said, like I said before, is important for fat, but DNA and the scaffolding of all cells and tissues and everything is made of protein. Like you, you need protein and especially women, I think under eat protein, then try to work out excessively and then can get in this point of, you know, hypothyroidism. They start losing their hair. They feel awful. They have mm. low energy. They start losing muscle mass. And this is where people go, Oh, well, ketogenic diet. Like I'll just get too skinny and like, I can't, I can't work out. Yeah. And it's just, it's not true. And again, when people think, okay, I can just eat fat in a limited amount of fat. Well, I mean, it's not really how it works. Like, I don't think that your body is a very simple bomb calorimeter, which we just say calories in equals calories out. There's a lot of different components to that. However, I think that calories do matter to some extent. And if you just guzzle a bunch of fat and you already have fat that you need to burn, if, if losing weight is your goal, right. well, then it's like you need to eat protein to support yourselves and then kind of moderate your fat so that your body actually uses your fat for energy. Why don't you think calories in, calories out matters? Or it matters to the extent that, that say, I think it matters. Sure. So it's not as simple as like I eat this one food and it equals X amount of calories. And I have some base level of burning of calories. And if I run on a treadmill, I burn 400 calories. And then that equals, you know, I can now I'm losing 200 calories a day. And over the course of a week and a half, I will now burn one pound of fat off. It doesn't work that way. It's just like, Thinking about it as in terms of a car, this is like saying if you drive a car, no matter how you drive it, you're going to get the same miles per gallon. Mm-hmm. It's not the case. It's like it's a very simple way to think about it, but people drive their bodies around very differently. Right. Their hormones control different things. Like if you have your air conditioning blasting and you're cranking your, your car, like you're going to get different gas, uh, mileage. Get gas mileage. It's the same type of thing. Like, so yes, you do need fuel. Yes, you can have too much and overfill your tank or you mm-hmm. can have not enough and break your car down. Same exact thing with food intake. 
but it's just not as simple as calories in, calories out. As well as like if you look at the thermal effect of food, so how much energy does it require to eat foods and how much it burns? So like that's why I love celery. Celery is negative calories. Well, yeah, I mean, you you could make that extrapolation, but I mean, to to the point of like eating, like you could just also do a couple. If you're looking at measuring calories, you could do a couple air squats instead of eating like four pounds of celery. But (laughs) um, look, let me have my little thing. (laughs) You can have it. You can have it. Um, But for instance, if you eat 100 grams of fat. Nearly all of that fat will, you know, from a caloric standpoint, will be absorbed in your body as right. stored energy, whereas protein, only about 75% of that will be absorbed as stored energy because it takes so much of your body to break down those amino acids for usable forms. So you're essentially getting a 25% discount on what you're eating for protein from a caloric load, but nobody takes that into account when they're, when they're measuring macros and counting calories right. and everything like that. And so any carbohydrates, like 80 to 90% thermic effective food, and so... I mean, there's all these complicated bio- biological processes that people aren't taking into effect and say that right. they think they're like, oh, if I eat 2,000 calories of anything and I burn 2,500 calories, that means I, you know, I'm going to be losing fat. It's like you're, the, the, the rate also which you burn, quote unquote, burn calories from a standpoint of like maybe different if you didn't sleep well last night. Right. It may be different if you're colder. Can, right. can you track those things? Absolutely not. Like you can't just say this blanket statement like I'm going to burn this many calories today. And only eat this many and stay in this range. It's just, right. you know, there's a lot of different components to it. So uh, to me, I, what I'm hearing you say is calories in, calories out is still the functional barometer of whether or not you're going to lose weight. But how we measure what our actual caloric output is and what our actual net calories in is, uh, that that measurement is is maybe flawed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I would say I concede a little bit to that, but I would say ultimately still like the the concept of just that it's calories burned versus calories consumed is I think still a little too simple. Okay. But and I mean, I, I also hear you saying a lot of measuring the weight of your food, the mass of your food, and using that. But but my understanding of keto uh, is that it's a caloric percentage. So whereas five hundred grams of of oil is more calorically dense than 500 grams of protein. So this is the classical ketogenic diet that was developed in the 20s to treat epilepsy. Like Johns Hopkins. Right. And so, yes, it's like you know, 80 plus percent of fat, like caloric load from fat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which like if you're treating a disease and need a certain, you know, certain amount of thing like that, okay. But I consider ketosis something that your body is using ketones for energy. And you can get that like that does not set a caloric percentage for you. It sets, so you need to think about limiting carbohydrates to a certain degree. Right. Then I think setting a minimum on protein and then kind of filling in the fat to make you satiated after that. Got it. Got it. So I don't, yeah, I don't think you have to like relegate to any certain percentage just because that's, that's how one research study was formed, you know, 90 years ago. I think that looking at as far as like, okay, what metabolic state am I trying to achieve? What are my goals? Am I, Am I working towards that and using that tool? Like, okay, great. Now let's look at, you know, how can we, like, if I, I've done that before, I've done the classical ketogenic diet, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a nightmare. It's like, it's extremely hard to stick to. Right. No one's going to be compliant to that. So, so uh, Dr. D'Agostino, he, he advocates titrating in protein, kind of the opposite, titrating in protein based on your activity level. So the more active you are, the closer you get to a modified Atkins. And you're saying modified Atkins is okay. Yep, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm going to be chatting with him about this soon, actually. And, uh, you know, I had Peter T on the podcast, actually, I think it launched this week. Um, and we had a conversation about this, too. And he knows of no mechanism where protein should go to ketosis. And so, I mean, it's something that I've looked into extensively, and I just haven't seen it to be the case. And so, I mean, I'm happy to, if somebody knows of some wild mechanism out there that I'm not thinking of, like totally down to, to get the facts straight. But as far as what I've seen with now thousands of people, and myself included, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's much better to over, I would say, overeat protein than it is to overeat fat. Okay. Uh, and now that you you're talking to you talked about Peter. Peter famously did the um, ketone esters thing, where he ate a bunch of ketone esters and almost vomited them up. Why do you do beta hydroxybutyrate instead of making ketone esters? So ketone esters are you talked about before, you know, beta hydroxybutyrate attached to a salt, and that's what we have in our product, um, which is, you know, a little bit more stable. And so an ester is basically an unbound. There's there's nothing bound to it. Or you have, you know, for instance, you get a beta hydroxybutyrate and 1,3-butane-diol or some other chemicals that are combined together. They're both ketogenic in, in a sense. And these things raise your ketone levels much, much higher, but for a shorter amount of time. Uh, why I don't do that is, like I said, people have a feedback loop of taste, and if something tastes like it's going to make them blind, they're not going <laughs> to have it, and they're, and, and they're going to they're going to train themselves to to not think that ketogenic diet is good for them. So that's number one. Number two, I don't think that jacking your levels, like if, if you take the like for instance exogenous ketones, like the powder that we have, I mean, your levels can jump from like zero to like one point five or or point five to like two roughly millimolar is how you measure it in your bloodstream mm -hmm. and going from zero to five there's there's no real advantage unless you're an extreme endurance athlete Got okay it. so if you're doing that then that that's great for endurance athletes who want to choke down this stuff totally fine however and those people average, usually aren't aren't eating for taste anyway you know that right, that's right, right. functional and, fitness stuff and so for that population, I mean, there's already a product for those populations. So the HVMN ketone esters, fine product for that population. Um, I think they still taste a little rough. Um, I've had them, a bunch of them before because I've tested a lot of them. But one of the things that I tested myself and that they even acknowledge this is that if you have a full one of those things, one, the, 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 so the taste is not great. The price is outrageous. It's $33 a serving, which mm -hmm. is nuts. And then it can drive your blood glucose down so far that you bought after. Yeah. So like even if I were to have it and work out or have it and not work out, like I have to eat carbohydrates because it like when, when you consume it, your body goes, there's so much red, readily available energy. We need to suppress your blood glucose. And so I've had a continuous blood glucose monitor and, and it pushed my glucose down to like 50 mm -hmm. when base baseline is, um, you know, for me roughly around 80 right. when like if you have ketones, it's not as dangerous, but if somebody didn't have ketones in their blood, like 50, like going down to like 40-ish, like high 30s, like that's almost coma territory. Right. Which you're not, you're not going to get that by taking ketone esters, but it's just, uh, you, if you go in that direction, like, you, you know, I feel lethargic, I feel awful, right. like, uh, you know, two to three hours after I take it. So again, I, th I just think that for an average person trying to make this an easier thing that, you know, it tastes good and isn't crazy expensive and doesn't make them crash afterwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why we, we haven't launched one yet. So yeah, I, just, I, I think the usability is like very, very narrow for it. We had the founder of Ketone Aid on he, on our podcast a, a couple of weeks ago, Frank uh, Frank Yoid and Yosa, and he um, 
he was he was talking about that exact thing where you need if you're going to take 60 milliliters of ketone esters then you need to you need to actually supplement your glucose prior to taking the esters otherwise you will bonk on a race if you're doing endurance athletics right which is not desirable of course (laughs) no it's not um (laughs) <laughs> uh, what is your favorite product that you guys have made over at Perfect Keto that, oh, uh, besides the original exogenous ketones? Yeah, I think right now we just launched bars a couple of weeks ago, and that bar took me so long. Like, I would have to assume that this is what um, people feel like. I, I don't have any kids, but when people have a kid for the first time, right. and I can't can't believe it, and they're like so much doubt of like if they could handle it and if they could ever get it done. And then like, they're a proud parent. I feel like that's maybe how I'll feel when I have kids someday. <laughs> um, so it took us 18 months and I think like 18 or 19 iterations to get this done. Whereas having something that tastes good, that holds into a bar form, but most importantly does not increase your blood sugar, which no other company I've now realized looks at, but calls their bars ketogenic, um, is extremely hard. It's extremely hard to get yeah. it done. And so, you know, we, we tested it and we had everybody in the team test it and, you know, friends and family and little beta users, like every time we get a production run and a test of it, you know, we tested blood sugar and everybody and like, we didn't, we didn't put this out for production until it didn't affect anybody's glucose, mm. which was a very challenging thing to do. I've, you know, I just recently published a video on my website about, you know, I had Bulletproof bars, Quest bars, um, Dang bars, and I've tried a bunch of other ones since then. And like these companies say that their bars are, you know, high in fiber, low in net carbs and keto right. friendly. And they spiked, you know, all of them essentially spiked my blood sugar from 80 to 130, 140 for wow. you know, two to five hours. That is, one, that's not a ketogenic. Two, that is that, that, that is that inflammatory process that you're talking about. Right. And I mean, if something spikes my blood sugar to, you know, from 80 to 140 for five hours, that is a difference between somebody losing weight or not. Right. It's a difference between having inflammation or not. Right. You know, it's a difference between someone getting reversing diabetes or not from one bar. Yeah. And so not only do I, you know, I am very busy right now and I can finally feel like I can reach for something that I, I, I know that we've tested over and over and over right. again is, is accessible. But I mean, I think it tastes amazing. And I just think that like, I'm proud that it exists because I think that if people have our, our bar, that they're going to be making a healthier choice for themselves if they're going to be having that over any other bar. Um, I, I fundamentally believe that. And so obviously I'm very biased. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's something that it's, it, it was very, very difficult to do. And I'm just I'm pumped about having out, uh, not only for myself, but for other people. That raises a question that I, that I, or an issue uh, and solves an issue that I know of that a lot of people I talk to that I run into with who are ketogenic have, which is traveling. When you travel, it's really hard to stay keto, and a lot of people travel for work. Now, one one counter to that is you you can do intermittent fasting while you're traveling, and that'll keep you ketogenic. But having this bar sounds like a really great solution. Yeah, and not only that, I think that it's becoming more common for people. I think that you know, organic stuff and gluten free and all this over the last ten years has now made it easier to ask for substitutions at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so like that, that's another thing too that, uh, you know, yes, we have products that help to make this easier, but fundamentally I think that people just try out. I think it's going to be difficult for the first few times. You might feel ostracized being with friends and family who don't yeah. do this. Yeah. Like you're the freak at the dinner table, but totally. like just ask for stuff either cooked in a different oil or without the bun or bread. And I think that's just, if you're going to eat out, make those requests. And I think that, 
you'll find that within a few times that it, it, they're more than willing to, to accommodate your request. And that makes it a lot easier. And I'm finding now the more places I go, the more people I run into who who are ketogenic, let alone have heard of the ketogenic diet. So it, it's really catching on, which makes me ask this question. Why now? I mean, the diet's been around for almost 100 years with various functionality. Why in the last maybe two or three years has it gone from a niche performance athlete section to a full-blown phenomenon? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back to what we were talking about earlier, we had this huge change in our recommended nutrition guidelines as a government in you know the late, I think it was the 60s, after we had this research saying that fat is going to kill you and that carbohydrates should be eaten, grains should be eaten at every single meal. And that has turned our healthcare system upside down. Everybody in this country now, roughly speaking, is either overweight or has diabetes or some chronic illness. I mean, the result, like it's, it's actually staggering the, the statistics around people and how sick they are. Right. Um, and like two thirds of the population either has diabetes or prediabetes. That's crazy. I, I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, but that, no, we've, we've seen the stats. It's crazy. Yeah, that like that's a CDC published that report, which is insane. And just it's nothing else is working. And so what I think what's happening here is that it's something that is getting people results. It's something that's working. I mean, you have companies like Verta Health that has published data now that basically using a ketogenic diet has been able to reverse diabetes, type 2 diabetes, which is something that we thought was going to be impossible. So, yeah. I mean, the standard of care right now is that somebody um, can't regulate carbohydrate and glucose in their blood, so let's give them insulin so they can regulate it more. Well, I mean, a very simple fact is like, why don't we just remove the offending assault? Right. Why not remove the offending blood yeah. glucose? Right. Why don't just do it that way? And so I think people are not only are they, are they getting results, there is more research coming out. So people like Dominic D'Agostino, like you talked about, mm -hmm. is, you know, one of the key figures spreading all this stuff. I mean, Angela Poth and then tons of other people are doing really good work here. Thomas Seyfried and noticing that it, it might, you know, it might work for cancer treatment. It might work for, you know, it's working for diabetes. It's That's why we got started on it. Yeah. And so there's all these different mechanisms that we're seeing with science that shows, okay, the way that we're treating most of our, our me metabolic diseases now is not working. We need another tool and this one is working. Yeah. And so I think that like people are just noticing that they get results. Then, you know, it's as simple as like a, a, you know, at Thanksgiving, hopefully it becomes even more popular because people are going to go home and they're going to look better and feel better. And family members are going to go, what the hell have you been doing? And then let's say, oh my God, ketogenic diet, are you not doing this yet? And they go, oh yeah, yeah I've heard about that. What is it? And then that's how it's been spreading a lot is what I've noticed. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's super important as well. It's just kind of word of mouth because people are feeling better, looking better, performing totally. better. Totally. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gustin. I, I, I want to ask you one final question and that is how do you do it? You've got what six? Did you say sixteen different practices? You've got the company. You've got your podcast. You've got a lot that you that you have to do every day. How? What is a typical day like for you, and how do you cope? Uh, I think that uh, building a really awesome team that helps me do things is, has been the number one thing. There's no way I could do this just on my own. So I think that that and also. It, it, there's large problems to solve and just waking up every day and, and thinking about that instead of thinking about how I'm going to entertain myself at, at night with, you know, sports or, or movies or TV shows and just, I mean, getting to work every day, one, you know, one step. One foot in front of the other. Right. That's what it is. <laughs> Thanks for the assist there. <laughs> no problem. Maybe you're overworking. You can't remember uh, basic. <laughs> more, key yeah. more ketones. huh? Yeah. 
basic uh, uh, aphorisms. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being with us. If people want to follow up with you, where are the best places to do it? Like I said before, uh, perfectketo.com is a great resource for anything if you have any questions about this stuff. And then as far as me personally, Dr. Anthony Gustin on Instagram is where I'm most active socially. And I respond to every single DM that I get. It might take me a little bit at uh, this moment in time, but I respond to every single one. So if you have any questions, hit me up on there and happy to chat. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And a special thanks to Dr. Gustin for being a part of our show. If you would like to go further with Dr. Gustin, there's a link to his website, perfectketo.com, in the show notes. Uh, also, if we, we did talk a little bit about ketone esters, which is like, which is which tastes like rocket fuel, and uh, it's it's ketones. Not in steroids. a good way. <laughs> no, not in a good way. But it also feels like rocket fuel. So we talked about that. If you'd like to try those out, we've had them on the show before. Frank Yosa has uh, has some ketone esters you can try. That's the most affordable version of it I've been able to find. So there's a link to that in the show notes. Also, if you would like to go further with either one of us, me or John Tesh, you can check us out at facebook.com slash John Tesh. Now, we are there almost all the time. Yeah, we are always yeah. posting stuff there, stuff about the podcast, stuff about upcoming guests, all that kind of stuff is there. Uh, also, Tesh.com, you can sign up for our newsletters there and get notified when a new podcast episode is out or or if we're going to come to a town near you. All of that is available at Tesh.com. And if you want to follow up with John anywhere else, it's at John Tesh on Twitter, at John Tesh underscore IFYL on Instagram. And for me, I am Gib Gerard. You can find me, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. Twitter, Twitter, uh, my Twitter and Instagram are at Gib Gerard or any other social media at Gib Gerard. And I am always answering fan questions there. Also, if you have suggestions for people you want to see on the show or topics you want John and myself to talk about, go ahead and hit me up on any of those platforms and I will respond and we will try to incorporate it into this show or any of our other shows. Yeah, we should do a show of just, uh, of just questions. That'd be fun. Well, we've done, you know, we've done the Facebook lives. Oh, yeah, yeah. Crossover yeah, yeah. shows. Yeah, yeah. And we do answer a lot of questions on those. So again, another reason to go to facebook.com yeah. slash John. And Tesh. there's all, there are also at least two uh, podcasts, uh, if you dig through, uh, that, uh, that feature ketogenic conversations. Oh, yeah. several, yeah, yeah. At, at this point, yeah. So uh, yeah, go ahead and check if you want to go deeper on the ketogenic diet. I'll actually link to a couple of our previous oh, ketos, good, good. Uh, ketogenic topics from this podcast in the show notes. Uh, if you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a lot. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. John, anything else? Uh, that's it. Thanks. We appreciate Great you job. guys.